morning, everybody. It's good to see each and every one of you here. We know that it's the Lord Jesus who gathers us together to receive from him, to receive from him the truth of his word. Love that song uh, that the Lord would teach us. Teach us to really have the heart of Christ, to have the heart of Christ uh, towards one another and towards each other. Uh, Jen mentioned the Bible Camp fundraiser that's coming up. Information about that will be provided in news and announcements in your bulletin. Uh, Our church has participated in this Bible Camp ministry since we began as a congregation back in 1960. But Bible Camp is actually much uh, older than that. Bible Camp started back in 1948. Have you ever heard of a place called Hall Lake? Or Halls Lake? It's here in, in Linwood. That's actually where our first camp was held. I didn't realize that until I was looking at some documents. Uh, again, in 1948, just really right down the street um, at a camp that used to be on Hall Lake here in Linwood. Well, the reason uh, we're doing the fundraiser, and Jen said she wanted me to mention this, is because we want everybody who, who feels called to be at camp to be able to go to camp. So we provide um, scholarships for people so that everybody can be a part of camp this year. So this is the reason we're doing the fundraiser, is that we would have uh, funds available for everybody to attend camp. Another note on that, uh, we're continually raising funds for camp through our coffee cafe ministry. So even if you don't get a cup of coffee and you want to help people get to camp, you can uh, stick a donation into the offering basket at the coffee stand today. So we are grateful to see you here today. It was good to be together with so many people last week for our Easter service. And I personally want to thank all who made our Easter festivities last week a success possible. Thank you for the time. Thank you for the effort that you put in uh, to making last week's Easter uh, festivities uh, such a blessing. And uh, we pray that the seeds planted there would bear fruit in people's lives. So today we we go before the Lord, we open the scriptures, and we're going to be reading from our epistle lesson today for the second Sunday of Easter, which is taken from 1 Peter chapter 1. Here Peter writes, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never perish spoil or fade this inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time in all this you greatly rejoice though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, we thank you for your word. Help us, Lord, to not only hear your word, but to believe it and to obey it. We thank you that you've given us your Holy Spirit who enables us to believe and obey with joy 
in you. I ask that you would replace our doubts with faith. With faith, with confidence in what you have given to us in Jesus. So Lord, as I speak today, may my words be according to your word. and May you receive the glory and the honor. So in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today the message is good news for doubters. Good news for doubters. First thing I want to say is that if you have doubts about Jesus, about the validity of the Bible, about those things which we preach as a congregation, I want you to know that if you have doubts, you're normal. Doubting is normal. And actually, we're in good company. Because the disciples, on the very first Easter Sunday, were filled with fear. They didn't have a purpose. And those disciples were also doubting. And actually, if you go to the Great Commission... And just before Jesus gives the Great Commission, just before Jesus' ascension to the right hand of God the Father Almighty, it says that some of them still doubted. So if you have doubts this morning, you're in good company. And don't think for a second that your doubts disqualify you. They don't disqualify you from Jesus. Doubting is... Normal. But when, it's, when it comes to doubt, the important thing to consider is, what do you do with your doubt? What do you do with your doubt? What do you do with, with the questions that you have? Doubt Jesus. Doubt the Bible. Doubt the historic teachings of the church. The important question is, is what do you do with your doubt? If you let your doubt fester inside, it's not a good thing. Because doubt can quickly bear the fruit of outright unbelief. I believe the best thing for you to do with your doubt is to vocalize your doubt. This is why the fellowship of believers is so important. Because within the fellowship of believers, we're given an opportunity where I can say, you know what, I'm struggling with this. This is something that's difficult for me in my life. And within the fellowship of believers, you'll find something very interesting that there are other believers, there are other brothers and sisters in Christ who are struggling with the same thing that you're struggling with, or they have experienced that doubt at some point in their Christian walk. And through the fellowship of believers, you can receive this strengthening and this encouragement and answers to your doubt. And this is one of the reasons I believe that small groups in the church are so important. To be a part of a life group, to be a part of one of our Bible studies here. You see, the, the, the way we, we operate in the typical Sunday service is that it's a monologue. You sit there, I stand here, and I preach a message to you. And that's so important. 
But it's only a monologue. It's me speaking to you. But within a small group, within a Bible study, a life group, or another small group, you have an opportunity to say, you know what? Brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm struggling. And then you'll experience the grace and the power of the church at work by coming alongside you and helping you through your doubt, through your trial, through your struggle, whatever it might be. So today I want to say that there is hope for doubters. Jesus loves doubters. And if your doubt doesn't fester into this hardness of heart, then you can overcome your doubt and receive the peace that Christ promises. So let's read about doubters from our Bible today. I invite you to stand as we read our gospel lesson. Let's open our Bibles to John chapter 20. This is a continuation of, of the portion of John's gospel that we read last week. This is the second Sunday in Easter. So this is the very first Easter Sunday. John chapter 20, beginning with the 19th verse. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with doors locked, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So here the disciples are, locked in this room, afraid, full of fear. They were aimless. They didn't have purpose. But here Jesus, he shows up and he replaces their, their uh, fear with peace. And he gives their aimlessness a purpose. He said, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. In verse 22, and with that, he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they're forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. This is the basic task given to the church of declaring the forgiveness of sins, but also declaring judgment upon the unrighteous and the unrepentant. In verse 24, now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, and here's Thomas, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, he says, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. 
Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Now listen, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. A hope for doubters. Hope for those who struggle. Hope for you. Do you know that God is the great reverser? He's the great reverser. He changes our direction in life. He brings people from doubt to faith. The whole of the Christian life is about reversing direction. Because we're a sinful people, we think we're wise, we think we've got it all together, we think we're on the right path. But what the Holy Spirit does is he says, you're not on the right path, you're going in the wrong direction. And then through the power of the Holy Spirit working through his word, he reverses us. It's called repentance. Repentance is to do a U-turn, to realize I'm on the wrong path. The Holy Spirit brings that reality into our heart and to our mind. We feel the guilt of the direction we're heading. And then the Holy Spirit says, go in this direction. So God is the great reverser. He reverses many things. And th- from this text, we see that in the power of the Holy Spirit, God moves us from fear to peace. He, he moved these disciples from a place of, of fear with the doors locked to a place of peace. It was the presence of Jesus with them that reversed their fear to peace. Jesus brought them from aimlessness to purpose. They had no plan. They really had no direction after their Lord had been crucified and buried. But when Jesus entered into the room, he gave them a purpose. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And then, from doubt to faith. What a reversal. Thomas was brought from declaring, I will not believe. I'm not going to believe it. To declaring my Lord and my God. God is the great reverser. These disciples became men who would live with faith and with confidence, all because of what Jesus did for them. They lived with confidence in Christ to the point of dying for him. All of the apostles and many others suffered greatly to the point of death because they had such confidence and faith in Jesus. Not an arrogant, self-righteous confidence, 
but a confidence that says, I believe in who Christ is, in His death and in His resurrection, to the point that I will die for Him. Peter said it this way in verse 8 to you sitting here today. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. When, when God does this great reversal in our life, bringing us back to Him, we have joy. Not in what we've accomplished, but in what Christ has done in our lives. He has brought you from fear to peace, from aimlessness to purpose, and from doubt to faith. Do you have peace in Christ today? you have peace in Him? Are you sent today with a purpose in life? And do you have faith? These are deep questions. When I try to answer these questions, all I can say is, well, kind of. Sometimes. And I hate to admit it, uh, admit it church, but, but so often I am filled with anxiety I, I really don't, I wish I could wake up every day and say, you know, I've got this great purpose I'm living for today, but so often I lose sight of, of my purpose in life. And then there is doubt. Doubt in what God has said in his word. Again, if you struggle in your walk with the Lord, there is good news for you today. There is hope for you today because Jesus loves people who struggle. And he comes alongside people who struggle. And this is why I love the Bible so much. The Bible is full of people who struggle from Genesis to Revelation. Just read about these characters in the Bible. These people who walked with God and lived with God. Not very many of them are very impressive people. Just read your Old Testament. Read about the, 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 the disciples who struggled. None of them are people that we would say, that, that person's impressive. He never messed up. She never had a fault. The Bible is full of people who struggled with God through life. So if you struggle today, to have peace in your heart, to have purpose, or if you struggle with doubt, you're in good company. And there is good news for you because God loves you, and he comes to you, and he fulfills his promise in your life. What good news we have from God. And then in John 20, Jesus entered into a room full of anxious, aimless doubters. What a pathetic congregation for the first Easter Sunday. That was the first Easter Sunday service. But when Jesus entered into the room, when he was present in that room, everything changed. And that's the key for you today. 
is to have Christ in your life. Do you have Christ in your life today? Or are you trying to walk down a path without him? Trying to walk through the, and journey through the, uh, the maze of life without any purpose or direction. What does that lead to? It leads to fear. leads to doubt. Jesus, and this is for you Christian brothers and sisters. Jesus is needed every day. We need Jesus every day. Even for those of us who have walked with him for decades. We still need to admit our need for Jesus every day. Jesus is actually, even though you're a person who struggles like everybody else, he's chosen you to be his disciples. And by his death, his burial, and his resurrection, you have received the forgiveness of sins. You have received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And now today you can walk in peace with purpose and faith. You see, in an accomplishment-driven world, we would think that these are things, the peace, the purpose, and the faith, are things that we have to work really hard at in order to get them. You see, we live in a world that that is accomplishment-driven, in which if you do a good job, if you work really hard, you're going to receive a lot of good things. And so we apply this mentality to God. And we believe that we have to do things for God in order for Him to give us His blessing, His grace, His forgiveness. But I think that that thinking is to reverse the proper order. Actually, Jesus, He comes to you and He says, I give to you today what you lack. I give it to you as a gift. It is pure gift. It is by grace that you receive these things. So you receive this peace. Peace with God. A purpose in your life. And you receive the gift of faith. Not by your own doing. Not by your own good works but as a gift of His gracious presence in your life. Christianity, church, is not first us doing for God. Christianity is not first us doing for God. There's a lot that we've been called to do for God, but that's not the first thing. Christianity is first about Jesus doing for us. Giving to us what we need. Then we get to join him in doing his good purpose in our world. After we've received the gift of Christ's presence in our lives, then it's time to work. But we're not working to earn We are working because of this great gift. We can't help but say, Lord, I want to do your will. Lord, I want to serve. I want to give. Because you have filled me with your peace. You have given me a purpose. And you have given me the gift of faith, even though I don't deserve it. So Lord, from this grateful heart, I desire to obey. So we obey 
and the freedom and the joy and the grace that we've been given. The, the religions of the world, they, they offer a list of things to do to achieve from, from a deity. In Buddhism, it's the Noble Eightfold Path. If you follow these eight things, In Islam, it's the five pillars of Islam. In Mormonism, it's the doctrine and covenants. Now, the Bible does give us the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are good. And they're true. But the Bible never gives us the commandments and ever states in the Bible that the commandments are given so that you can earn a right standing with God. The commandments are given for many good purposes. And we only become people who joyfully obey the commandments after we've received the peace of Christ, his presence in our lives, a purpose that we don't deserve to live according to, and a faith that has confidence in him. Then we get to live out the commandments. Christianity is not about earning peace, purpose, or faith. It's about receiving these things as gift and then living them out. So those who repent and believe the good news of Jesus' life, death, death, and resurrection, we have our fear reversed to peace our aimlessness reversed to purpose, and our doubt reversed to faith. And it's his work. He gets all the glory and all the honor. Today you can rest in peace. Today you can live with purpose. And today you can live with faith and confidence and trust in what Jesus has accomplished for you. And today I have a challenge for you as we leave this place today. First thing is to rest. Rest. How many of you would say, I need some rest? Rest in his peace. Rest in the presence of Jesus. And then ask the Lord in that rest, how might, how might you, God, how might you want to how, how how do you want to use me this week? How do you want to use me in the lives of other people this week so that they can experience your peace, so they can know they have a purpose in life, and so that they can receive the gift of faith in Christ? So think of at least one person. Begin to pray for that person. And then seek ways to come alongside that person. That's what discipleship is all about. It can be a brother or sister in Christ who needs encouragement. Somebody that you work with. Maybe it's a stranger you meet. Be sent with a purpose today. And then I say this, especially if you're struggling with doubt. Seek out the fellowship of Christians. If you're struggling with anything in your life, don't let that thing fester inside. This is why small groups are so important. We have men's Bible study. We have women's Bible study. We have life groups. We have youth groups. We have kids programs. 
opportunities where you can plug in. And where you, and I'm just going to tell all of our life group leaders or small group leaders there now is, is make sure your group that you lead is a safe place for people to say, I'm struggling. And make that small group a place where they can experience the transformative work of the Holy Spirit in their lives through the Word of God, the fellowship of believers, and the power of prayer. So my challenge is rest. Let's be a people who use this day that's been given as a gift. This Sunday is a day to rest if you're able to. Look around you and see who can I lead closer to Christ or encourage in Christ. And get plugged in to a small group here at Maple Park. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you today. Thank you that you went into that room of fearful aimless doubters. And by your presence, you imparted your peace. You gave them a purpose and you uh, replaced their doubt with faith. And thank you that you're present here with us today. You're in this room right now. And through your word, you speak to us. And by means of your very real presence in the sacrament, you strengthen our faith. We thank you for your presence here today. And help us, Heavenly Father, to walk the right path as you come alongside us. As you put your arm around us, help us to walk the path that you've called us to walk today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.